I'd like to start today on a quote. A quote? A quote. Okay. And, and I want you to try and guess who said it. Here's the quote. Okay. We're a small place. We therefore can't have the world's best intelligence networks. Any guesses? Tony Abbott. No. No. You know, I would have thought that myself, to be perfectly frank, but no, it wasn't. It was Julia Gillard. Oh, really? Yep. Back in 2011, she was PM at the time, and she brought out this quote, you know, which in a sense makes a lot of sense. We are a small place, and because of that, do we have a great intelligence network? Well, today we're going to talk about the Australian intelligence community. This is a listener request, actually. I had quite a few people on Twitter going, look, you keep talking about all these places, but we don't know what they are, so can you explain it? So today, it's going to be very acronym-heavy. Okay, let's take a deep dive. Listening to I Spied, the Venn diagram of Australian intelligence. We're actually completely outside all of the circles. That's because we don't have an acronym. What can we call ourselves? ISP? ISP, time to go. Hello and welcome to I Spied. My name's Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan and we're, you know, again with the at-home setups. I'm currently sitting under a blanket like I'm hiding from the world, which partly I am and mostly I'm trying to get the sound quality better. That's right. And I have constructed a fort of PVC and and blankets. It's beautiful. I love being <laughs> It's a thing of beauty. Anyway, uh, today, listener request. Yeah, a lot of listeners, I put an article on the Twitter feed, and if you want to have a look at it, at iSpied Podcast, and it was basically a very, very short pricey of who the different players in the Australian intelligence community are. But I thought we should have a really good look at this. And also, because I've been sitting here, because someone said, can you tell us what all that means? I went, yes, I can do that. And then I discovered 197 pages of absolute government report joy called the Flood <laughs> Report. Right now, the flood, you've got nothing to do. i got nothing to do. I'm yeah. an actor during lockdown. There is nothing going on. No. So I sat down with the Flood Report, 197 pages, check it out, yep. and it was done after the Bali bombing and the WND scandal and also a, a problem in the Solomon Islands where it was John Howard who turned around and went, all right, I want to know what the hell is going on with my intelligence community. And it's a very good report, but it also gives you a really good background on how it all fits together. So essentially in Australia, there are six intelligence agencies and they're divided into two parts. They are assessment and collection. Now, you'd probably think, why? What's, what, what does this all mean? Right, now collection, they're places like ACES, so the Australian Secret Intelligence Service. They are tasked with gathering foreign intelligence and it's human intelligence. It's called HUMINT. So we all know about ACES. I, actually, ACES is one of my favourites because when I was working at ASIO, ACES had a little bit of a scandal that kind of fell onto ASIO's lap, but then we quickly pushed it back onto ACES's lap, and that was what's known as the Sheraton Raid. Did you ever hear of it? Yes, I think we might have touched on this briefly, but let's let's go into it again. Well, the, the classic was essentially they had an operation. Uh, they were doing an exercise to conduct an operation. I was quite lucky a couple of months ago to have lunch with the brother of one of the ACES agents that was working on that operation. 
And what I thought happened and what really happened is hilarious. I thought what happened was they went in, a guest complained and about the noise because they walked in and started interrogating someone in a hotel room in the Sheraton in mm-hmm. Melbourne. And I thought that somebody had complained about the noise. This was the general story that uh, someone complained about the noise and the police were called and they were arrested. That is not what happened. Uh, what happened was nobody bothered to tell anyone, and this is a great indication of how intelligence works in Australia, no one bothered to tell ASIS that the federal police, now what we, yeah, the Australian federal police, were having an operation in the Sheraton Hotel on the same night that they were. Right. So you'd think, okay, that's fine. It, how, why would that be a problem? The problem was, and the as the brother of the intelligence officer who was uh, on the ad operation said, he walked into the hotel wearing a Mickey Mouse mask and carrying a pump-action shotgun and a sledgehammer. Now, that raised the concern of the Australian Federal Police officers that happened to be in the hotel at the time. I'm and sure. all hell broke loose. Now, the first thing that the press did was they went ASIO caught in stupid raid. Well, it wasn't ASIO, it was ASIS. But that put ASIS into a huge puddle, put them in a huge mess. Um, right. And of course, they, they at one point, they lost their weapons. Uh, ASIS officers weren't allowed to carry guns anymore, which when you're a foreign intelligence officer can be problematic. Yes, we do carry guns, but only when we're overseas and only at extreme circumstances. Right. So our collection, we have ASIS. The other one we have is the ASD, the Australian Signals Directorate. Military, they do uh, signals gathering. So essentially they're using things like Echelon and those kind of software programs that just basically hoover up tons of information. And then we have my favourite. It's called the Australian Geo intelligence organization geo is so like as in rocks geo as in rocks so that's satellites essentially right and like what i found interesting was when they describe what they do they intercept and gather intelligence between the ultraviolet and the microwave spectrum so these guys will have a satellite sitting up yeah, aliens. They're basically they're the ones in touch with aliens. It's yeah, the men so in black. They're, they're men in black. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say. <laughs> Essentially, uh, it's things like satellites and probably flyover. So you know, spy planes. Now right. I don't or drones. I don't know how many spy planes we have or whether we have any at all. So these are the ga- intelligence gatherers. Then you've got the cl- that, so or the collection side of it. The other side of it is the assessment side, and there right. are two agencies, basically that are assessment only. One is called ONA, the Office of National Assessments. Well, well, their assessment. And basically, they take everybody's intelligence. So they take it from ASIS, from ASIO, from ASD, from AGO, and they create the big picture. Right, because that's what I was going to ask. Like, are all these agencies interconnected? Is mm. there an umbrella agency? So is this the umbrella agency? Kind of. Its its job is to take everyone's intelligence and draw the big picture. And that's where ANO got into a lot of trouble. And that's where, of course, Andrew Wilkie comes in. And I still desperately want to interview him to talk about this. Because, again, the flood report concentrates on the WMD scandal. How basically Wilkie stood in front of the ONA building and went, this intelligence is not telling us what we're meant to, what they want it to to say. They're playing with intelligence. They're politicising it. He built a parliamentary career out of that. And I'd like to talk to him more because the report covers a lot of it, which we won't go into today. But essentially, they gather in all the information and draw a big picture for economics, for foreign policy, for the political side. 
The other side of that is the defence intelligence organisation, where they gather stuff for strategic purposes, for military purposes, to support our troops on the ground, which our operational tempo since 2000 has increased dramatically. Australia is active in a lot of different theatres. I mean, we've just pulled out of Afghanistan. We've still got a few soldiers in Iraq. You know, Solomon Islands, we're over there, Timor. There's been a lot going on. So DAO have been extremely busy over the last few years taking care of all of this. So there's that. We've got ONA and DIO. Now, they also tread on each other's toes. Now, there is one agency that does both, that collects and assesses. Can you guess which one? Uh, ASIO. Correct. Well done. Uh, Bing, 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 bing. You get a coconut. Well done. You've got it absolutely perfectly on the money. ASIO is the only one that does both. Because ASIO not only collects intelligence, but it also has to do assessments on it and has arms within it that are specifically assessment-based. You're about to ask the question. So the rest of them them are collective agencies, mostly? No. Apart from the umbrella one? They're collecting collection agencies or assessment agencies. I really feel like we need a Venn diagram. Yeah, you would. That's actually not a bad idea. ASIO would sit right in the middle, right? Because it's both. But you've got DIO and ONA, which do all the assessments. They take everyone's intelligence and go, okay, what does all this mean? And then you've got ASIS, ASD, AGO and ASIO that collect intelligence. And ACO also do assessments. Now, within that, Every one of those organizations still have analysts. They all have guys that sit at desks and look at the intelligence, not to go, this is what's happening, but to go, are we on the right track? So are these all government run? Totally. Everything is government run. This is all under different ministers. So ASIO uh, comes under the uh, home affairs. Yep. ASIS comes under foreign affairs. ASD and AGO come under defence, DIO comes under defence, and ONA comes under the Prime Minister's office that they report directly to the PM. So there's all of these different agencies. Now, one of the questions was, how do they all get on? Yeah, I was going to ask that. Well, simply put, they work very well together, right? Right. They're... Admittedly, there is a problem. There, well, there was a problem between DIO, between Defence and ONA, because Defence kept sort of saying to ONA, you need to focus more on the strategic military aspect of our intelligence, while ONA were like going, that's actually not our job to do. That's your job to do. So you can brief your troops. You can let your troops on the ground know what's going on, while ONA is there to turn around to the Prime Minister and go, yeah, we might have a problem brewing, say, in the Solomon Islands, or there might be something going wrong in Southeast Asia that we need to focus on. So essentially, there's that. Getting down to the nitty gritty, everybody works really well together. It was an interesting thing that came up when you compare Australia to, say, the United States or the UK. Now, Mm -hmm. our intelligence service is very heavily based on the UK, but we've kind of made it different because with the US particularly, they have something like 15, nearly 20 intelligence organizations, which is huge. That's massive. And they're competitive, right? They actually compete with each other. Now, in Australia, we took the competitiveness out. So every, every intelligence organization in the US has a collection component and an assessment component. We've only got one intelligence agency in Australia, and that's ASIO, right? ASIO is the only one that collects intelligence, and that's all about national security, and then it does assessments itself. Now, it's got a, its assessments are generally on terrorism 
and security assessments on facilities, threat assessments, risk assessments to personnel. So the US have all of these agencies that compete and they will basically be competing with intelligence assessments saying, we think this is going to happen. Like the CIA might turn around and say, we think you know Europe will be in flames in three years. And the yep. FBI go, no, we actually think Europe will be all flowers and roses and Russia will have an epiphany. And then they basically got to try and sell that assessment into government policy. Right. So another question I want to ask, mm. do people who work, because they're all government run, so to speak, can, is there much transference or movement with people between the different agencies? That's a really good question. Now, with the military, not a lot. Not. The military, I mean, military. well, then, A, they're military, but you still have, like, basically defence personnel, so non-military public servants working in all yeah. of these different agencies. So with DIO, I remember my father was back when it was called JIO, Joint Intelligence Organisation, because they get – the other thing we need to talk about is how DIO gets all of its intelligence, well, most of its intelligence – out of the various military arms intelligence. So Navy will have an intelligence arm, Army will have an intelligence arm, Air Force will have an intelligence arm. They're all gathering intelligence and then they hand that over to DIO and they sit there and go, well, okay, what does all of this mean? So they create right. the assessment using military intelligence. ONA takes everything from ASIS, ASIO, ASD, AGO, all these different places and they put together their picture. But with the movement between organisations, not a lot. I mean, because the skill sets are very different. ASIO's skill sets and ASIS's skill sets, while they cross over, they're different in that, like an ASIO officer will serve in an embassy. We, Rumour has it there are more ASIO officers serving in embassies overseas than there are ASIS officers serving overseas because ASIO have what are called declared intelligence officers. Yeah. So if we send an ASIO officer to London, we'll tell the British government, look, we've got a guy from ASIO. He's your first point of contact if you've got anything to talk about intelligence. Right. right. So boom, immediately everyone knows, uh, go and see Brad over in the Australian Embassy if you need to talk intelligence with Australia because he's across it all. But then your non-declared intelligence officers, that's the ASIS guys. They go in there under the cover of, you know, Third Assistant Secretary for Cultural Affairs or Political Affairs is another one, Labor Affairs. They'll go in and they'll sit in the embassy in a job that is cover for them to then go out and make foreign contacts, try and pick up. They're, they're the guys that ASIO would fight at home. Right. So even though there's an umbrella, right, that takes yep. this information and kind of puts together a bigger picture, does that bigger agency that 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 is kind of the umbrella, does that let communication happen between the individual agencies or do they do that autonomously? Like, do they communicate between each other? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They talk to each other a lot. There's no – I mean, they every agency is going to have secrets, yeah. You know, every, okay. You know, they I don't, don't cross the other one. But you don't. You don't cross each other's. You, you try not to step on each other's toes. I mean, the the classic example of the AFP and ASUS picking the same hotel on the same night to run exercises. Yeah. That's Crazy. a huge problem. Now, ONA is actually when you when we say it's the overall umbrella, it's actually one of the smallest intelligence organisations we've got. It's only got about probably fifty analysts and then support staff working with them. It's, you'd be lucky if it's 150 people 
in right. O&A because their job is really simple. All the hard work has been done. The collections have happened. Everyone's pulled everything together. And then the in-house analysts for each collection agency has looked at it and gone, keep it, keep it, keep it, rubbish, crap, don't need to know it. So they siphon out the dross. They basically, the chaff has been separated from the intelligence wheat and right. then it's passed over to O&A. They do the baking. So there you go. That's a great analogy. If you look at it, all of these different agencies are harvesting, while yep. ONA and DIO, they're your, your bakers and patissiers. Yeah. I'm, and, yeah. You, and you like getting baked, so I'm pretty oh. sure you do. <laughs> Come on, I'm in lockdown. What else is there to do? <laughs> Get nothing but just get high and eat, right? Oh, man, I've put on the pounds. I really have. I've got this waistline that's getting bigger and bigger. Oh, the munchies. Oh, mate. God, those chips are so good. Um, So, look, we've got these organisations that work on this, like have this a relationship. Now, the classic is at the coalface, when you go down to the basic the attitude toward between organisations towards each other. At ASIO, whenever ASIS was brought up, oh, the cowboys. We always called them the cowboys, all right? Right. Because, you know, they're gunslinging, rooting, tooting, shooting dudes. They do all that sort of stuff. I mean, <laughs> excuse me for the rooting. Um, we all do that. That's ASIO. Uh, <laughs> but their attitude was, uh, spooks. You know, you just linger, you, you hang out in the back and you basically don't do anything and you're, you're, you're just sinister guys hanging in corners. And apparently you die every episode. So. Every episode someone dies. <laughs> someone, the main character always dies. I could never get into that show. If you d- haven't seen Spooks, I would highly recommend it. It's I wouldn't. I mean, no, I wouldn't. I, I, well, if you like if you like it's fiction. It's a good show. It's good fiction, yeah, but it's terrible. Yeah. It's it's the worst intelligence organisation in the world. Yes, because um, they all die every single time. <laughs> well, uh, one of the, there's a couple of things that always got me, and I think we might have talked about this, but let's touch we on have. it again. Yeah. You know, the, the fact that everyone walks around the building with a mobile phone. No, it yes. doesn't happen. Uh, the fact that you know the operations room has a big glass wall behind it. No, it doesn't happen. And the other thing is the idea that someone is going to change the new world order by doing something in England, that's never going to happen. Yeah, correct. But the British system and the way they put their intelligence organisation together, very reminiscent of ours. But again, it comes back to scale. So yeah. you look at America, I think, at last count, America is budget for intelligence is somewhere between 50 to 100 billion dollars. Right. They spend a crap ton on intelligence. And let's be honest, we rely on that. As where we are as as Julia put it, we are a small place. We don't our budget is like it would be lucky to be a tenth of that. Right. right. You know, we're looking at the sub billions in intelligence spending. That's not including Military military intelligence is very different. And again, military intelligence is a, a very big source of intelligence for everybody. But a lot of Australia's intelligence, particularly like when we were operating in Afghanistan and Iraq, most of our intelligence was coming out of the uh, military intelligence was coming out of the American system because they had everything in place. They had all the boots on the ground. They had the satellites overhead. But we still had to run our own intelligence operations simply because we needed to get the information that we needed that the Americans didn't care about. 
So uh, essentially, we're dependent on our allies. That's why we're part of the Five Eyes Treaty, as we've discussed before. But essentially, we've got a very robust intelligence community that's gone through the wars. It's certainly had its problems over time. But right now, particularly with Mike Burgess crossing from ASD to ASIO, that was a a really smart move, right? Yeah, and, take- and adding adding a lot of transparency to ASIO, as we've discussed before. And yeah. also, you know, his his primary focus was on, you know, the telecommunications side of it, mm. which you can see that that's something that ASIO wants to be focused on and why not? I mean, everything is communicated out through mobile phones and well as we discussed last week with Pegasus it's like that's where the game is and interestingly enough pre-2000 we would have been spending uh, maybe 25% of ASIO's budget would have been on terrorism right post 9-11 our budget and particularly post Bali our our terrorism budget would have probably exceeded 60 to 70 percent it would have literally been the only game in town now I would estimate that our in our budget for terrorism has dropped dramatically as the cyber side has then increased vastly because that's where the game is. That's where all of the activity is. And also, you know, with a pandemic, we've kind of seen terrorism drop. I feel like terrorists are like, I don't want to catch COVID, so yeah, I'm not yeah. going out doing anything. Yeah, I'm not going to go out there in a suicide bomb without a suicide vest without a mask. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get crazy. COVID. Yeah, I could, I could get sick before but, I detonate I mean, myself. It, it, it is actually interesting, though, that we have seen you know instances of terrorism globally drop. Yeah, but well, naturally, I the chances of having like particularly try dropping a bomb in the middle of Sydney now. It's pointless. You're not going to get anyone. Yeah, exactly. It's just going to be a, a loud noise, and you're going to knock the tram off its tracks on George Street, and really, no one's going to notice that. So there are no closely gathered groups of people at the moment. We're not doing it. Like, have you been watching the Olympics? Yes, I love it, but there's no one there. That would have been like a threat assessment dream. What's the threat? Oh, 100%. It's like no threat. The only people that are there are the athletes. So with our community, because we've got this very, very compartmentalised intelligence system, which works. It works really, really well. One, we've separated assessment and gathering. That's really important because if your collection agency is then doing the assessment, the assessment can tend to be, well, what assessment is going to make our budget look better? How, whereas if you have an independent assessment agency, so DIO or ONA going, yeah, important, but not that important, we get a better picture of what we need and how we should focus on our targets. That's what the only difference being ASIO does its own assessments, mainly because it's involved in vetting and security assessments, so threat assessments. I would also think, though, when you're separating all of those intelligence gatherers or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. when when you're separating them, you have probably less, it's less likely that important information is going to be divulged accidentally because you've got all these, all these things that are, that are happening, happening separately as opposed to one giant piece of a government organization operating as a silo and doing everything. Does yes. that make sense? 
kids. Oh, totally. That's why you have different uh, organisations handling different areas. It's also why you have different ministers running uh, oversight. And then, right. of course, beyond the ministers, you have the Commonwealth um- Ombudsman and the Inspector General of Intelligence Security, the IGES, who is essentially our intelligence om- ombudsman who sits there and basically if someone says, look, I think I'm getting the raw deal by ASIO, he'll go in and have a look. Like he's right. got access to everything. He can have a look and go, yeah, look, mate, you got a, a bum security assessment because, you know, you're a member of Jamar Islamia. Is that a problem? Yes, it is. Or it might be, no, look, I've looked at your thing and you're a member of the Communist Party when you were 17 years old, but, yeah, that's not an issue. So you've got – you have oversight over all of this. Right. And, uh, and just quickly, would that then make you less agile if you have all these separate departments, would it make you less agile to react to circumstances? Yeah, again, that comes down to uh, the WMD issue back in, what was it, 2003? I think it was a 2004, the one with ONA and DIO. The big thing was DIO were pressuring ONA to, and also the government were pressuring ONA to give them the finding they wanted that Iraq had WMDs. There was a lot of pressure coming from outside. The other, like, when it comes to agility, no, it means you focus on your area and then if you pick up anything, like, ASIO has the ability to collect foreign intelligence. It's ASIS's remit to do that, but ASIO has been given permission and the Act has been amended to allow any minister to turn around, particularly the foreign minister, to turn around to ASIO and say, look, can you collect some foreign intelligence for us? But it's generally they're trying to collect foreign intelligence in Australia. So they'd be looking at somebody from overseas, like a diplomat from overseas. They'd be trying to gather intelligence from that person. Um, Now, ASIS would can still, they even though they're the foreign intelligence gathering organisation and they do it overseas, they can do it in Australia, but they can do it in Australia. Again, they'll do it through ASIO. And what's, what's happened because they've created all of these different sort of oversights and connections, it's increased the agility because everybody is now working a lot closer together. Yes. So ultimately, I think the way we've established our intelligence community is it's a lot more agile because A, everybody knows their job. B, everybody knows who to talk to when, they're not, when they realise I've now overstepped my boundary. Okay. And information disseminates literally at the speed of an email. So that was pretty acronym heavy, I'm not going to lie. No, hopefully, no, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm like, hopefully everyone understood what everything meant. <laughs> Look, I'm going to – I'll do a little chart. And we, I'll, we, I'll, need a, we need a chart. We need a Venn diagram. I'll, I'll put together a Venn diagram but with the other, and I'll put it onto the, um, the Twitter feed. I'll also just – do the acronym and what it means, right? Yeah. So everybody – and I'll put a little price here as to which, what each organisation does. I mean, my favourite is the Geospatial Intelligence Organisation, which is just what an awesome thing to actually be called. I know, but I don't even know what their point is. What is their, their point? Their point is satellites. So you know just how we've got those, those two Chinese ships currently hanging off the Queensland coast yep. watching Sabre Talisman, the exercises? The the exercises. Yep. Well, we would no doubt, and the Americans no doubt, would be parking satellites above those ships oh. to monitor anything that's being beamed out, but also to take as many photos and as many readings off these ships so we know what kind of frequencies they're using, yeah. what kind of message, yeah, what their capabilities are, because, again, it's all part of intelligence gathering. Now it just takes time to get down to DIO where they can do the assessment and send it on. Well, that was 
enthralling. I enjoyed yeah. I enjoyed every acronym, and I hope everyone else did too. <laughs> I've enjoyed watching you sitting under a blanket. I live under here now. <laughs> I'm never coming out of mine. Never coming out. 